Good morning and welcome to Kirkpatrick Memorial's morning worship. Whether you are still watching online or have joined us in the church, we've come together as a community joined by the Spirit of God to worship him and to hear from him. Last week we completed our pilgrim journey through the Psalms of Ascent and today we're going to begin another story also characterised by the theme of pilgrimage and journey very appropriate for these days of journeying into the unknown. You'll remember last week that the Psalms of Ascent finish with Psalm 134, which we sang together, a psalm where the pilgrims bless those who have been standing by night in the courts of the Lord. During the night hours, the flame was kept burning in the temple, a sign of God's presence continuing with his people even through the darkness. One of the earlier Psalms of Ascent, you may remember Psalm 130, spoke of waiting for God more than watchmen wait for the dawn. Those two groups, the night watch on the city walls and the night watch in the temple, representing service in the city and service in the church, are to be, I believe, an inspiration for us in these days of uncertainty and even danger. Keeping watch, keeping the flame burning on the walls and in the temple, soldiers and priests of God, blessing the city he has placed us in. And now this morning we gather, just as those pilgrims gathered, in the houses of the city or in the church, we gather to bless one another and to praise the Lord. So let us sing our first hymn, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let us pray together. Lord, at times like this, for some of us one day can seem very much like another. But just as we have sung, each day dawning is a new gift from you. Help us to see it that way. Remind us that you are there at our rising and sleeping, our going out and our coming in. Strengthen us with your grace and comfort us with your love. As each day comes and goes, help us to walk it with you as pilgrims on a journey. Keep us humble on the mountaintops and trusting in the valleys. Never forgetful of you in the daytime and always aware of your presence in the night. Lord, your love and grace surrounds us. You've promised to never let us go, but we know that that truth comes at a price. Your unconditional love is founded on the fact that you have paid in Christ for all the sin in our life and have opened the way to forgiveness and freedom. We don't take this for granted, Lord. Forgive us for the sins we have committed in even these past days. As we truly confess our transgressions to you, assure us of your love and that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you for all you have done for us and help us to leave this service of worship not spiritually anxious or doubting, but rejoicing in our status as your forgiven friends. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Good morning, my name is Karen Hart and this is Lizzie and Justin Livingston. In the last few months we have taken over the role of student ministry from Rachel Aitken and we wanted to spend a few minutes this morning just showing you how, who the students are in Kirkpatrick um, and also to interview a couple of them for a brief time. So these are our 20 lovely students from Kirkpatrick spread out across England, Scotland and Ireland. We would really be encouraging you to pray for them this week, particularly as many of them start term tomorrow and for some of them for the first time. 
to help you be praying for them, Lizzie has very helpfully produced a prayer student booklet which has information on where each student is studying, what they're studying and an individual prayer point. If you're sitting in church this morning, you should have a paper copy of this. And for the rest of us watching online, you can download a copy through the Church Suite app. Hi everyone, I'm joined here by two of our Kirkpatrick students, Matthew Vincent and Rachel Henry, um, who've joined me just for a short interview today, right in the middle of a very busy week, just as term gets going. So Matthew, as some of you might know, um, is about to start his first year at Queen's, and Rachel is going into her third year um, over in St Andrews. So why don't, you, why don't we kick off um, by both of you telling me a little bit about what you're studying this year and, you know, if there are any particularly interesting modules uh, that you're doing. What about you, Matty? Um, so I'm studying biological science at Queen's this year, yeah. but um, honestly, I don't actually have any modules that I really know are going to be interesting yet. So, yeah. Yeah, all will be revealed next week when you, uh, I suppose, arrive in your first classes and uh, register for modules and that kind of thing. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And what about you, Rachel? Yeah, um, so I'm going into my third year um, studying modern history and theology. Um, and I'm finding my, my modules interesting so far. Um, we're just in week one. Um, so I'm just kind of kicking off with reading and everything. Um, but yeah, for history, I'm doing some on gender history um, in early modern Europe, um, which I'm hoping sounds a lot less complicated than it might. We'll see how it goes. Um, and then um, for theology, I'm doing some stuff on the Reformation and some ethics. Terrific. They sound like a great set of modules to me. Um, well, as you move into a new year, what are you both looking forward to most? I mean, there are lots of things, I suppose, that are coming your way. But what are the sort of standout things that you're, that you're looking forward to? What about you, Maddie? Um, so to be honest, like my, the thing that I'm most looking forward to that hasn't actually got anything to do with uh, biology or anything, so I'm really looking forward to playing hockey for Queens. Um, I'm playing with guys kind of my age. Um, and then I'm all, I am looking forward to the course, obviously, because it's something that I want to study. And it's better than just being in school and you have a lot more independence and things like that. And Maddie, you've already been recruited to the, the first uh, the first 11 before you've even started as a, as a student. Is that right? Yeah, so we've, we've had a few preseason games and stuff. But Excellent. yeah, mixed bag. Match on Saturday? We'll move on. We'll move on. Move on from that. Brilliant. What about you, Rachel? What are you most looking forward to? Yeah, um, I think for me, it's actually just really lovely to actually be back um, in the town um, and, yeah, just to be able to reconnect with people um, that we haven't seen for like six months. Yeah. Um, so it's been really nice just to move back in with my housemates um, and, yeah, just have a bit of normality um, of uni back um, whenever everything was online for the last semester before summer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I suppose campus life is going to look a little bit different this year, isn't it? I mean, it's going to look different socially. Um, it's going to look different with your studies. You might be doing some online learning. You might be having a kind of blended approach with some face-to-face -face teaching and, and some distance learning as well. And things are going to look a bit different um, with church too. So I'm just wondering, what sort of challenges are you both anticipating this year as you launch in? What about you, Matt? Um, so one of the things that I'm kind of worried about is the, the whole online lecture thing. And a lot of our courses is going to be online on Zoom meetings like this. Yeah. And that's one of the things that kind of making friends on my courses and all my classes. I think that's kind of a struggle with because it's kind of hard to stand out in that situation. Yeah. And it's certainly harder to begin to build up those relationships when you maybe aren't seeing people face to face as regularly. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, Rachel? 
Yeah, um, I think for us, pretty much everything is going to be online for the foreseeable future. Um, so classes and church and CU and all of our other societies. Um, so, yeah, I think there's there's just a real worry that um, people are just going to be left out in that or um, people are going to get lonely. Um, but, yeah, I think just being able to manage all of that um, to still do church and to still enjoy what we're learning. Um, yeah. I think it'll just be very, very different um, and people just have to adapt to a lot of changes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll certainly be praying for both of you um, with navigating those sorts of changes. I know they're going to be um, a, a real challenge, both in terms of uh, lectures, studies, um, but also for church and any extracurricular stuff that you're you're doing as well. But how else can we be praying for you both as a church as, as you go into this year? Um, so mainly it's kind of that I enjoy my time this year because I really don't know what what I'm expecting to be honest it'll be great <laughs> yeah so, um so I and I obviously hope that I make friends and stuff and that'll be great but um another thing is that I just kind of stand out as a follower of God in all my classes and the people can recognize kind of my my Christian faith and yeah I really hope that absolutely we'll certainly keep that in prayer what about you Rachel yeah um I think much the same um I think third year for whenever you're doing a degree in Scotland, it's just a bit of a step up academically. Um, so the work that I do now actually counts. Um, so that I think will just I mean I spend slightly more time um, actually doing my reading. Um, but yeah, I think just um, I'm involved with CU committee this year. And I think that has just been really scary to have to change everything um, and kind of rethink things. Um, so I'd really appreciate prayer just for wisdom. Um, and we were really encouraged actually by how many people have got involved um and just all the ways that people are still keen to get stuck in um in sharing their faith at uni um but yeah we just really appreciate your prayers um in how we go about running that well yeah absolutely i can just imagine how much more complex that's going to be this year but terrific to hear that so many students are still wanting to um get involved in in cu life on campus well, look, um, all the best to both of you for the term ahead. And thanks so much for making the time to, to speak with me. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We're now going to take some time to pray for our students. Father God, thank you for each of these young people, whether at college or university, on a gap year or embarking on the world of work. We thank you that their individual situations are known to you and that you care deeply for them. In this time of upheaval and uncertainty, we are thankful that you've promised to be with us wherever we may go. We ask that this would be especially true this year as students return to university campuses that are utterly transformed by COVID-19. For all those students who are beginning new courses, settling into different accommodation, or simply readjusting to old routines, we pray that you would go ahead of them, comforting and guiding them on their way. We ask that they would settle quickly into student life and that they would be able to safely participate in both the academic and social sides of university. Please be with the staff who work in universities as they learn to cope with teaching and learning amid the constantly changing restrictions brought by coronavirus. We pray also for organisations who work with students, such as IFES and CIS, as well as churches, chaplaincies and Christian unions, that they will be finding new and creative ways to engage with students in these challenging circumstances. We are so conscious of the long-term impacts that this global pandemic will have on the mental health of all sections of society. And so we ask that these students would know your constant presence with them 
even when they feel anxious and isolated. Above all, we earnestly ask that this would be a year in which they learn to walk more closely with you and that through them, your name would be known and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Ishka. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there for the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. The word of the Lord. Good morning, folks. Um, just as we start out this morning, could I encourage you, if you don't already have a Bible beside you, pause your TV, your device, and grab a Bible. Thank you. One of the phrases I find myself using most often these six months is to say that we're living through weird times. Uh, we really have found ourselves in a strange place. For a few months there, our house felt like uh, a bit like a prison, or a school, or a hotel, or a combination of all of these things. Uh, once the first lockdown had eased a little bit, I queued for nearly an hour in the B&Q car park just to enter the building. 
and now uh, we can't really go anywhere, uh, be with each other or in any public space without wearing a mask. So in September of 2020, we're doing things that we quite simply couldn't have imagined doing even 12 months ago. This is a strange place that we find ourselves in. I don't mean to unsettle you any further than you already have been unsettled by the, the short-term strangeness uh, that comes with coronavirus restrictions. But we had some other strange things going on even before coronavirus. Do you remember Brexit? All that endless politicking to try and establish the UK's place outside of the EU. That's still ongoing. Over the last couple of years, those of us who are trying to follow Jesus, who are trying to take God at his word, we've been struggling with some ethical shifts in our own society here in Northern Ireland. Same-sex marriage has been introduced. Abortion has been legalized for the first time. So we're watching as our society cuts itself loose from its Christian heritage right before our eyes. So as disciples of Jesus Christ living in Belfast in 2020, we have all sorts of reasons to say that this is a strange place that we find ourselves in. This morning we're going to start a new Bible teaching series, and it's one that's going to run right through the autumn. It's from the Old Testament, takes the form of a story, the story of one man's life. But before I come to that one man, I want you to notice the place. This man's story starts in a strange place. If you look at your Bible, chapter 11 of Genesis, you'll see there in verses 10 to 26 a written account of a family tree. It's the family of Shem, and you might remember him from Sunday school, one of the three sons of Noah. Anyway, we're given Shem's family tree right down to a guy called Terah, verse 26. And we're told that Terah had three sons. In verse 28, we learn that Terah's extended family is living in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. What do you know about Ur of the Chaldeans? Not much. That's okay. Let me tell you a wee bit about Ur of the Chaldeans. It's actually one of the best documented societies of its time. Around about five millennia ago, a human hand first carved a written word. Boom. History is born. That is the recorded story of humanity. It happened in a land called Sumer, probably in a warehouse in a place called Uruk. We could call Uruk a city, maybe one of the first places worthy of the name. We're talking modern day Iraq. The written word written there in Uruk was probably invented for accounting. How else do you keep a track of these growing quantities of goods that you're starting to store and to trade? The written word, when it came, changed human life forever. It enabled fantastic feats of information, retrieval and storage. Uh, by the way, the computer is nothing on the invention of writing. The written word enabled all sorts of new forms of communication. This one step forward 
for humanity soon led to countless other uh, steps forward, other developments, including wheel transport, sailing ships, metallurgy, oven-baked pottery. So with the invention of the written word and with these other uh, contemporary developments of the same period, man was up and running as a technological society. Uruk and uh, its neighbouring city of Ur, right there in Sumer, were right at the heart of this birth of civilization. Ur of the Chaldeans features in our story because Terah's there. Terah lives there. Terah's a Shemite. That means he's a, a nomadic descendant of Shem. These Sumerian cities with their burgeoning technology and their grand buildings, they must have seemed very strange to these cattle herding Shemites. It's like taking somebody, I think, from maybe from Kalibaki, uh, someone who's lived there all their lives, and dropping them into Canary Wharf. For Terra, Ur of the Chaldeans was a very strange place indeed. But it wasn't just strange in terms of its technology, its buildings, and its growing civilization. It was strange for deeper, more profound reasons too. Reasons of the heart and of the soul. Reasons to do with God and the gods. For anyone with any memory of the God of Noah, Ur of the Chaldeans would have been a very strange place indeed. You see, the city of the moon stood over the city of, the, the temple of the moon, I should say, stood over the city of Ur, towered high into the sky. It was a center for pagan worship, a place where people tried to reach the heavens in order to connect with the gods. If you know your Bible, then this description of Ur is probably ringing a bell with you. That's right. The Tower of Babel, whose story is told in the first half of this chapter, Genesis 11. So Terah is a descendant of Abraham who's worshipping the one true and living God, but he's found himself living in Ur of the Chaldeans, a city renowned for its technology and its civilization but also for its pagan worship. I think we can safely say that our story starts in a strange place. Folks, more than ever before in my time as a minister, I've sensed that people are struggling in this strange place that we find ourselves in today. Many people are struggling in a general kind of a way uh, we tolerated the strange world that we were landed into in the springtime. Maybe even enjoyed aspects of it for a few months. But now, six months in, we're suffering all sorts of COVID fatigue. For some of us, the stakes are higher. Lockdown has been messing with our mental health. These strange circumstances have stirred our underlying anxieties. We really are struggling. And then, for all of us, there's our walk with God. The novelty of YouTube church, that's long worn off. We're struggling, many of us, to follow Jesus without the rhythm of regular face-to-face -face public worship. We didn't realize how important it was until it was taken from us. And truth be told, 
we're drifting. Some of us have drifted off and we won't even hear this message. We need someone to reach out and to invite us back. For some people watching today, this season has highlighted a huge hole in your life. You've realized that you never had God in the first place. You live in a culture that's busy with its own technology, with its own getting ahead, with its own busyness and self-importance. A culture that worships anything and nothing at all. But at this moment in your life, when you've needed a rock to stand on, there was nothing there. You've realized that you simply don't have the resources that you need to get through a time like this. Dear friends, whatever strange place you find yourself in, please hold on. Keep listening. We're going to see God breaking in to this strange place. Before we do that, we're going to pause and sing together the song, What Gift of Grace is Jesus my Redeemer? We started this morning thinking about a strange place where our story begins. I want us to think for a moment about the people at the heart of this story. We've already met Terah, the Shemite, a descendant of Noah. We're told in chapter 11, verse 31, that Terah took his family and he set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But, says the narrator, when they came to Haran, they settled there. It's at this point when Terah's journey stalls that his part in the story ends. We're told, verse 32, that Terah died there in Haran. Uh, by the way, I'm going to try and put up a map here showing Terah's journey from Ur, northwest, up to Haran. Uh, so that's marked by the green arrow on the map. So that's the end of Terah's part in the story, but it's not the end of the story. It's really only the beginning. With Terah's death, his son Abraham comes center stage. And we see very soon that the story is actually going to be his story. God speaks to Abraham in Haran, chapter 12, verse 1, and he says, leave. Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I'll show you. When Paul read our passage a moment ago, we learned in those early verses in chapter 12 about much more that God said to Abraham. He's going to make him a great nation. He's going to bless him. He says that through him, he's going to bless the whole world. We've talked about these aspects of God's call on Abraham quite a number of times in recent years. And again, recently in our recommissioned series. So I'm not going to look at them in much detail today. Today, I just want to look at a couple of God's words to Abraham. God's first word. The first word he said to Abraham. You see it? First one. Leave. Leave your country. Leave your community. Leave 
your extended family. Leave. It's the first word. It's the first word for Abram. It's also God's first word for all of us. We saw this at the start of our series in the Songs of Ascent. The journey can't begin until you're fed up with where you are. You've got to hear God's call to get out of this place before you can begin the journey to the other place. When Jesus preached his first sermons, he called people to repent. Turn around, leave the place where you are and start a journey to the place where I'll take you. Leave is always the first word in our life with God and our journey with Jesus. Before the for sale signs go up on all of our homes, I should make the point the leaving's not always physical, like Abraham being asked to leave Haran. But there is leaving to be done. You see, this world won't ever bring you to God. I hope that penny's dropping with you or has dropped with you by now. To come to God, you've got to leave the mainstream of our culture and commit instead to joining the new community, traveling with Jesus Christ. We need to leave our old ways behind so that we can learn the new ways that Jesus has for us. Eugene Peterson talks in one of his books about the importance of change about moving on. Love, he says, launches us into new territory. To explore the new, the old must be left. It means leaving earlier levels of accomplishment and relationships and growing into new ones. Every act of love is a risk to the self. There's no guarantee of success. Much can go wrong We can get hurt, we can be rejected, we can be deceived. But without risking these perils, there can only be repetitions of the old patterns. The routinization of old comforts. I don't know if you got to see the movie, A Star is Born. The one with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Bradley Cooper plays Jackson Maine, a jaded rock star. In one of his great songs on the movie soundtrack, he sings this. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Maybe it is. Are you ready to let your old ways die? Are you ready to leave town? Are you ready to start out On your journey into life with Jesus. So on this journey with Jesus. The first word is always leave. What's the next word? Let's read our passage. Leave your country, your people and your father's household. And go to the land I will show you. First words leave. And the second word is go. Go where, Lord? I'm not telling you. Not yet. Just go. We read in our passage that Abram leaves Haran and sets off God knows where, quite literally. He has no idea 
where he's going. Friends, I started this morning by talking about the strange place we find ourselves in these days and, and trying to draw some parallels with this Abram story. And here we see now a second reason why I've chosen to look at the life of Abraham at this point in our journey together. You see, these days, like Abram, we don't know where we're going. For the first few months of lockdown, I thought I knew where I was going. I had it all mapped out in my head. We'll do online church until the summer. We'll take the summer to regroup. And by September, we'll all be back in our building, worshipping together. Coronavirus will soon be a fading memory. Shows how much I know. When will we all be back worshipping together in church? I have no idea. I don't know where we're going. But it's not just with regard to gathered worship that we're in the dark, is it? I mean, it's pretty much all of life. How are things going to go in school this year? We don't know. What's going to happen with infection rates as we move through the autumn and into our first COVID winter? Who knows? What's going to happen in the economy? How many jobs are going to be lost through all of this? We don't know. Friends, we've found ourselves in a strange place, and we don't know where we're going. This morning we've really just been setting the scene. We've got to know Abram, and we've established some common ground between his situation and ours. But let's start the learning right away. The New Testament gives us a clue as to how we should interpret this opening scene in the life of Abram. The writer to the Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, verse 8, he says, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his reward, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. I've missed the opening two verses, words, sorry, of that verse deliberately so that I can now draw your attention to them. The writer tells us, that Abram did this by faith. By faith, Abram, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his reward, obeyed and went. By faith, he leaves the strange place that he's been living in. By faith, he sets off going God knows where. And in doing so, he becomes the father of all of those who have a life with God through faith. We are people who live by faith. This autumn, 2020, in these strange times we find ourselves in, even though we have no idea where we're going, I'd like you to come with me. On a journey. Let's learn together to trust God. Let's learn to live by faith. Are you up for that? Are you ready to live the life that you're currently, leave the life that you're currently living? Are you ready to go wherever God's calling you into whatever life he has for you? Trusting that he'll lead you to 
the best life of all. For some people listening today, that's going to mean trusting Jesus for the very first time. We'll have to finally accept that living without the guidance of our creator isn't all it's cracked up to be. That living life without the forgiveness of a savior leaves us feeling unsure of ourselves and insecure in this world. That living life without the presence of God's spirit means we feel empty. We're like a glove with no hand inside it. We need to leave all of this behind and go with Jesus. For some of us who've trusted Jesus at some point in our past, we're realizing that we don't really trust him with our lives. We've maybe trusted him to save us from death, but we've yet to learn to trust him with our life, with our hopes, our dreams, our loved ones, our plans. Maybe we're like Abram's dad, Terah. Yeah, we've left Ur, but we haven't made it to Canaan. We're not really living in the land of promise. God is calling us all today. God wants us to push on now from Haran to Canaan. Leave, he says, leave anything other than total trust in me. Go. You don't need to know where you're going. Just know that I am going ahead of you. It's time. Time to learn to live by faith. Let's pray. Lord, you know how we struggle to trust you. Some of us have never trusted you even a small bit, even for the first time. Help us. Help us to begin today our life with you. Lord, some of us trusted you much more in the past than we do just now. We're like Terra, we've stalled in Haran. We're stuck halfway through life. We're not moving forward with you. Lord, we open ourselves up to you. We say, teach us by your spirit. Woo us once more. Make us into women and men who trust you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, I'm just going to tag on my announcements at the end here for a moment. I, I can be very quick this morning. Uh, I want to talk about a few things. Gathered worship. You might have picked up in Friday's email that we've extended the invitation for people to join us in Sunday morning services. Uh, not only to those who can't get online, but also to anybody who watches alone and would enjoy gathering. If you're in that position, we'd love you to come. We'll need you to sign up. Places will be on a first-come, first-served basis until we reach our building limit. I should tell you as well that we're working hard at the moment to consider what steps we can take to allow more and more uh, members of our congregation to, to gather together somehow in our building on Sunday mornings. Watch this space and we'll update you about that. If you have a look at the weekly email, you'll see uh, reminders and updates about the shoebox appeal and about storehouse. 
The only other thing I want to say this morning is to update you on some church family news. We were sorry this week to learn of the death of Ruby Black. It was a privilege to host her funeral service at Kirkpatrick on Friday. We have had two weddings in the church family this week. So Rachel McClure married Jason Purvis on Friday and Ruth McLean married John McLean on Saturday. Do keep both of those couples in your prayers. Prayers of intercession today. We remember the ongoing issues surrounding the pandemic, its effects on our homes and on our society. And at the start of a new university term, we remember our students. As you've seen and heard, prayer information is available to help you support all of our Kirkpatrick students throughout the year. And I'll also be praying for how the current situation affects the universities throughout Europe. So let us pray. Lord, we acknowledge you as sovereign over the nations. The book of Revelation reminds us that no government, empire, pestilence or plague can thwart your purposes or remove you from your throne. We pray for our province and for our country at this time. Give our leaders courage and great wisdom and integrity. Help them in the incredibly difficult task of balancing the health and economic concerns of the country and of discerning what is best not only for the physical but also for the mental and emotional health of the nation. We pray that the media will also be sensitive rather than sensationalist, committed to truth rather than headlines. We pray for those who are feeling this the most, particularly those who have relatives in nursing homes and who have been unable to see their loved ones. Lord, we pray for a speedy emergence from this abnormality in which we are living. We long to be able to visit people, to meet for meals, to greet without looking away, to smile without a mask, to shake hands, to hug. We were not created for a digital existence or to be disembodied heads on Zoom. Lord Jesus, the Incarnate One. Deliver us from this social distance so that we can be incarnate again to our neighbours and our friends and our family. Help us to be creative and sacrificial in how we help one another at this time. May we be a people not characterised by fear or risk aversion, but by courage and bold service. Lord, we remember particularly our students at this time. For those beginning university and missing out on so much of the excitement of those early days. For those anxious or worried about not getting the education they so wanted in the place that they wanted to go. For Christian faculty and lecturers struggling to communicate passionately their subjects without being able to get to know their students, their needs or issues. For our Christian union movements, we pray. For CUI here in Ireland as they seek to be creative in forming community and sharing their faith. We thank you for the Christian Union movements in Great Britain and Spain, Germany, Norway and Cyprus who have all rolled out creative online alternatives to their usual activities. We thank you for Israel where the events have been tuned into by students in many surrounding countries. And for Montenegro and Latvia, North Macedonia and Greenland, where there are exciting plans for the beginning of new groups, even at this time. We remember the places where the Christian Union movements are small or struggling, 
in Luxembourg and Poland, Malta and Estonia. And for our dear brothers and sisters in Belarus, we pray, where students are caught in the middle of civil unrest, but where they could benefit if any newfound freedom comes out of these troubles. We pray for that country, O Lord. Protect them, we pray. And Lord God, we pray for ourselves, that you would help us to be the parents or grandparents, the children, the siblings, the spouses, the friends, the neighbours that you have called us to be in all of those contexts. Keep us close to you, that we might be light in a dark world, salt in a decaying world, and a balm to a hurting world. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We conclude our service uh, with a word of blessing. Jesus said in Matthew 22, Have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And so now, children of Abraham, go in the strength of the Lord to follow him wherever he leads you this week. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, rest upon you until we meet again. In Jesus' name. Amen.